0: Picture yourself at a football game. The coach is on the sidelines, taking in feedback from the last play. He calls to the quarterback and delivers the next sequence of instructions. In a team huddle, the quarterback delineates the plan. The next play is perfectly executed, the actions of the players are fed back to the coach, and the coach devises the next move. Now imagine the quarterback goes rogue. As more and more plays are poorly executed, it seems as though the line of communication between the coach and quarterback has been broken. The actions of the players are no longer able to affect the coach's or quarterback's calls. The field starts to get messy, and feedback isn't salvaging the game. In the setting of adenomas, the coach is the hypothalamus, the quarterback is the pituitary gland, and the players are the hormones. Today, our patient has a pituitary adenoma, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast made by internal medicine residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on-call. Today's episode is entitled, Go Look for the Adenoma, Please. Okay, time for our minute physiology. The pituitary is a pea-sized gland that is surrounded by the sphenoid bone in a basket-like structure called the cella tercica. The pituitary gland is suspended from its stalk, inferior, and caudal to the hypothalamus, with the optic chiasm located right above the gland. Benign tumors arising sporadically in the anterior pituitary are called pituitary adenomas. They are classified based on their size as microadenomas, less than 1 centimeter) or macroadenomas, greater than 1 centimeter). They are also classified based on hormone secretion. If they produce hormones, they are functional adenomas, and if they don't, they're non-functional adenomas. Functional pituitary adenomas arise from one of the five cell types in the anterior pituitary. Somatotropes make growth hormone, gonadotropes make LH and FSH, thyrotropes make TSH, corticotrophs make ACTH, and lactotrophs make prolactin. The three ways pituitary adenomas clinically manifest are with hormone hypersecretion, hormone deficiency due to compression of the stalk or gland, and or mass effect with headaches and vision changes. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about the approach. You are asked to see a young woman with no past medical history presenting with headache, vision changes, fatigue, amenorrhea, and galactorrhea. You suspect this patient may have a pituitary adenoma. The first step in the approach to pituitary adenomas is to use your history and physical examination to delineate if hypersecretion, hypopituitarism, or mass effect is at play. Firstly, for hyperfunction, you will look for evidence of high prolactin, prolactinoma, high growth hormone, acromegaly, or high ACTH, Cushing's disease. Galactorrhea may be caused by a prolactinoma, but just remember to order a beta-HCG to make sure she's not pregnant. Next, when assessing her symptoms, you recall the mnemonic, go look for the adenoma, please, which stands for GH, LH, FSH, TSH, ACTH, and prolactin, representing the order in which pituitary hormones are lost in hypofunction. The history should also focus on symptoms that result from hormone deficiency. LH slash FSH loss appears as amenorrhea in women, impotence in men, and infertility in both sexes. TSH loss leads to weight gain, cold intolerance, or constipation, among other things. ACTH loss results in fatigue, weight loss, weakness, nausea, vomiting, and dizziness. Finally, if a pituitary tumor enlarges superiorly, it can exert a mass effect, compressing the optic chiasm, leading to bitemporal hemianopsia. If the tumor enlarges to push on the hypothalamic pituitary stock, dopamine will no longer exhibit an inhibitory effect on prolactin. This is why prolactin increases when all the other hormones decrease from the compressive effects of a large pituitary tumor. This stock effect results in galactorrhea, which is in the differential as a cause for her breast milk production. On physical exam, perform a screening neurological assessment with visual fields testing. Pay particular attention to cranial nerves 2 through 7. Other things to examine for include orthostatic hypotension, weight gain or loss, galactorrhea, and decreased testicular size in men. Look for signs of acromegaly, coarsening of facial features, increased skin tags, and features of Cushing's, fat pads, or purple striae. Once you are confident your patient has signs and symptoms suggestive of pituitary adenoma, you then wonder what laboratory workup needs to be sent. The tests to order for workup of pituitary adenoma measure baseline hormonal function and follow the mnemonic, go look for the adenoma please. Hormones ordered include GH, IGF-1, LH, FSH, estradiol or testosterone, TSH, free T4, ACTH, 8AM cortisol, and prolactin. Serial dilution of plasma prolactin may be required to rule out falsely reduced prolactin levels due to assay interference known as the hook effect, with giant adenomas. If hormone levels are high in the setting of hypersecretion, suppression testing maneuvers are invoked based upon which hormone is elevated, glucose suppression testing for acromegaly, and dexamethasone suppression testing for Cushing's. If hormone levels are low normal in the setting of pituitary hypofunction, try to stimulate the pituitary with an insulin tolerance test. This would normally stimulate both growth hormone and cortisol. For pituitary adenomas causing hypersecretion, hypofunction, or mass effect, the best imaging modality is an MRI of the cella with gadolinium. Make sure you always check the patient's renal function before ordering this test. Then request consults from your friendly neighborhood ophthalmologist for formal visual fields testing in patients with vision changes, neurosurgeon, and endocrinologist for further management and follow-up. Note, it is important to recognize that in special situations such as pregnancy, greater modifications to the overall management plan would be required. If this situation arises, don't forget to consult your OB medicine colleagues. So now that you've completed your history, physical exam, and workup, how do you manage this patient? The management of a patient with pituitary adenoma may involve medications, surgery, radiation, or observation. For patients experiencing mass effect or hypersecretion from other tumors, Definitive management is surgical, or less commonly, radiation. For hyposecreting adenomas, pituitary replacement can start immediately, followed by surgical intervention. The need for ongoing replacement will have to be readdressed after surgery, as recovery of pituitary function is possible. Lastly, for patients experiencing mass effect secondary to prolactinoma only, the first line therapy is the dopamine agonist Cabergoline. Bromocryptine or quinagolide are also considerations. To prepare for surgical management, patients with hyposecretion deficient in cortisol will require exogenous glucocorticoids prior to the procedure. Depending on the nature of the surgical procedure, tumor type, and extent of disease, Solucortef 50-100 to 100 mg IV or IM can be given prior to the OR, then Solucortef 50 mg IV Q8 hours starting postoperatively. Total daily dose for operative stress is about 150 mg. Solucortef is then rapidly tapered over a few days postoperatively until oral medications are well tolerated. Postoperative complications of pituitary surgery include central diabetes insipidus, or DI, or SIADH. Transient diabetes insipidus generally occurs within the first 48 hours post-op. Monitor fluid intake and output hourly, and check urine osmolality, urine-specific gravity, and serum sodium levels twice daily. If the plasma sodium concentration is greater than 145 mMol per liter in the setting of dilute urine production and polyuria, DI is confirmed. If polyuria occurs greater than 400 mL per hour for 2 hours, with dilute urine and the patient is not hyponatremic. Give DDAVP 1 microgram IV or subcutaneous for presumed DI. Do not write a standing order for DDAVP. One dose will generally last 24 hours. When the urine output increases and urine-specific gravity decreases, then a subsequent dose can be given if dilute polyuria recurs. An alternative is to use sublingual or intranasal DDAVP for further outpatient management. The patient should also be warned about delayed SIADH with symptomatic hyponatremia between post-op day 7 to 10. It is prudent to organize follow-up with the patient 7 to 10 days post-op to reassess electrolytes at this point. In terms of hormone testing, AM cortisol should be measured on the first and second day post-op unless the patient is already on glucocorticoids. Growth hormone and prolactin may also be measured at this time in patients with tumors that secrete these hormones. LH and FSH is better assessed one month post-op. Similarly, free T4 does not need to be measured right away, as it would take at least a week for this hormone to be significantly lower. A full panel of formal hormone testing should be done in follow-up endocrinology clinic four to six weeks post-operatively. Alright, now it's time for a medicine minute. Andre the Giant was a professional wrestler who stood at 7'4 and 520 pounds thanks to his acromegaly. He starred in several famed Hollywood films, such as The Princess Bride. A pituitary tumor overproducing growth hormone caused his gigantism. Although he was informed of this diagnosis and offered surgery at the age of 24, he declined surgical intervention to truly live larger than life. Sadly, the complications of his hypersecreting tumor, combined with his unhealthy lifestyle, caused him to develop diabetes and die of heart failure at the age of 46. All right. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled, Go Look for the Adenoma, Please. This episode was written by Dr. Tamina Ahmed, internal medicine resident, and edited by Dr. Jeanette Gogan, endocrinologist, and Dr. Chital Gandhi, general internist. This podcast was produced and recorded by Leia Karianopoulos. The Internet Works series was created by Allison Lai and is developed by Zara Morali and Leia Karianopoulos and overseen by Dr. Daniel Brandt Vegas. Music production by Lakshman Visanthamohan. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, www.theinternetwork.com, for associated infographics and resources. The Internet Work releases podcasts every two weeks on Sundays. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope to see you again soon.